Section 5 of The Secret House by Edgar Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 5 The fog was still heavy, and the blurred street lamps looked ghastly in the yellow mist when the little newsboy messenger, the first half of his mission performed, struck briskly riverward to complete his business. He disposed of his papers by the simple expedient of throwing them into a street refuse bin. He jumped on a passing bus, and after half an hour's cautious drive reached Southwark. He entered one of the narrow streets leading from the borough. Here the gas lamps were fewer, and the intersecting streets more narrow and gloomy. He plunged down a dark and crabbed way, glancing warily behind him now and then to see if he was being followed here between invisible walls the fog hung thick and warm and sticky crowding up close with a kind of blowsy intimacy that whispered the atmosphere of the place occasionally close to his ears snatches of loose song burst out or a coarse face loomed head high through the reek but the boy was upon his native heath and scuttled along whistling softly between closed teeth as with a dexterity born of long practice he skirted slush and garbage sinks slipped around the blacker gulfs that denoted unguarded basement holes and eluded the hideous shadows that lurched by in the gloom hugging the wall he presently became aware of footsteps behind him he rounded a corner and turning swiftly collided with something which grabbed him with great hands without hesitation the lad leaned down and set his teeth deep into the hairy arm the man let go with a hoarse bellow of rage and the boy darting across the alley could hear him stumbling after him in blind search of the narrow way as he sped along a door suddenly opened in the blank wall beside him and a stream of ruddy light gushed out catching him square within its radiance mud-spattered starry-eyed vivid a man stood framed in the doorway come in he commanded briefly the boy obeyed surreptitiously he wiped the wet and mud from his face and tried to reduce his wild breathing the room which he entered was meagre and stale smelling with bare floor and stained and sagging wallpaper unfurnished save for a battered deal table and some chairs he sank into one of them and stared with frank curiosity past his employer who had often entrusted him with messages requiring secrecy passed his employer's companion to the third figure in the room a prostrate figure which lay quite still under the heavy folds of a long dark ulster with its face turned to the wall well it was a singularly agreeable voice which aroused him soft and well-bred but with a faint foreign accent the speaker was his employer a slender dark man with a finely carved face immobile as the sphinx he had laid aside his inverness and top hat and showed himself in evening dress with a large perhaps a thought too large buttonhole of parma violets which sent forth a faint fragrance of the personality of the man the messenger knew nothing more than that he was foreign eccentric in a quiet way lived in a grand house near portland place and rewarded him handsomely for his occasional services that the grand house was an hotel at which poltavo had run up an uncomfortable bill he could not know the boy related his adventures of the evening not omitting to mention his late pursuer the man listened quietly brooding his elbows upon the table 
his inscrutable face propped in the crotch of his hand a ruby set quaintly in a cobra's head gleamed from a ring upon his little finger presently he roused that's all to-night my boy he said gravely he drew out his purse extracted a sovereign and laid it in the messenger's hand and this he said softly holding up a second gold piece is for discretion you comprehend the boy shot a swift glance not unmixed with terror at the still recumbent figure in the corner mumbled an assent and withdrew out in the dampness of the fog he took a long deep breath as the door closed behind him the door of an inner room opened and farrington came out he had preceded the messenger by five minutes the young exquisite leaned back in his chair and smiled into the sombre eyes of his companion at last he breathed softly the thing moves the wheels are beginning to revolve the other nodded gloomily his glance straying off toward the corner of the room they've got to revolve a mighty lot before the night's done he replied with heavy significance i needn't tell you he continued that we must move in this venture with extreme caution a single misstep at the outset the slightest breath of suspicion and the entire superstructure falls to the ground that is doubtless true mr farrington murmured his companion pleasantly he leaned down to inhale the fragrant scent of the violets but you forget one little thing the grand superstructure you speak of so mysteriously he hid a slight smile i don't know it all you have seen fit in your extreme caution to withhold complete information from me he paused and regarded his companion with a level steady gaze a faint ironical smile played about the corners of his mouth he spoke with a slightly foreign accent which was at once pleasant and piquant is it not so my friend he asked softly i am how you say left out in the cold i do not even know your immediate plans his countenance was serene and unruffled and it was only by his slightly quickened breathing that the conversation held any unusual significance the other stirred uneasily in his chair there are certain financial matters he said with a light air there are others immediately pressing interrupted his companion i observe for example that your right hand is covered by a glove which is much larger than that on your left i imagine that beneath the white kid there is a thin silk bandage really for a millionaire mr farrington you are singularly shall i say furtive hush whispered farrington hoarsely he glanced about half fearfully the younger man ignored the outburst he laid a persuasive hand upon his companion's arm my friend he said gravely let me give you a bit of good advice believe me i speak disinterestedly take me into your counsel i think you need assistance and i have already given you a taste of my quality in that respect this afternoon when i called upon you in your home in brakeley square suggesting that a man of my standing might be of immense value to you you were at first innocently dull then suspicious after i told you of my adventures in the office of a certain society journal you were angry frankly the young man shrugged his shoulders i am a penniless adventurer can i be more frank than that i call myself count poltavo yet the good god knows that my family can give no greater justification to the claim of nobility than the indiscretions of lovely lydia poltavo my grandmother can offer for the matter of that i might as well be prince on the balance of probability i am living by my wits i have cheated at cards i have hardly stopped short of murder i need the patronage of a strong wealthy man and you fulfil all my requirements 
he bowed slightly to the other and went on you challenged me to prove my worth i accepted that challenge to-night as you entered the theatre you were told by a messenger that t b smith a most admirable man was watching you that he had practically surrounded the jollity with detectives and moreover i chose as my messenger a small youth who has served you more than once thus at one stroke i proved that not only did i know what steps authority was taking to your undoing but also that i had surprised this splendid rendezvous and your secret he waved his hand around the sordid room and his eyes rested a while upon the silent ulster-covered figure on the bed his action was not without intent you are an interesting man said farrington gruffly he looked at his watch join my party at the jollity he said we can talk matters over incidentally we may challenge mr smith he smiled but grew grave again i have lost a good friend there he looked at the form on the bed there is no reason why you should not take his place is it true what you said to-day that you know something of applied mechanics i have a diploma issued by the college of padua said the other promptly End of chapter five read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com